The Arabian Nights, the 136th night. The following night, Shahrazad said, I heard, O king of the age, that the Jewish physician told the king of China that the young man said, I set out on my journey, and God granted me safe passage, and I reached Cairo. When I met my uncles, I found that they had already sold their goods on credit. They were glad to see me, but surprised at my arrival. I said to them, You are gone for too long, and I yearn to see you. But I did not tell them that I had any money with me. I stayed with them, enjoying Cairo and its sights, and began to spend the rest of my money, squandering it on feasting and drinking. When the time drew near for my uncle's departure, I hid myself from them, and when they looked for me but could not find me, they said, he must have gone back to Damascus, and departed. And I came out of hiding, and lived in Cairo for three years, sending every year to the landlord in Damascus the rent for the house, until at last I had squandered all my money, and had nothing left but the fare for the journey back. I paid the fare and set out, and God granted me safe passage, and I reached Damascus. I dismounted at the house where the landlord, who was a jeweller, received me gladly. I unsealed the lock, opened the door, and went in. When I swept the house and wiped it clean, I found under the bed where I had slept with the murdered girl a gold necklace set with ten gemstones that boggled the mind. When I saw it, I recognised it, picked it up, and holding it in my hand, wept for a long time. Then, having cleaned the house, I placed the furniture as it was before. I stayed at home for a couple of days, and then went to the bath, rested, and put on fresh clothes. By then, I had absolutely no money left. Driven by fate, and tempted by the devil, I took the necklace, wrapped it in a handkerchief, and carrying it to the market, handed it to a broker. When he saw it, he kissed my hand and said, By God! This is fine. By God, this is fine and fortunate way to start business. Oh, what a blessed morning. Then he took me to the shop of my landlord, who made me sit by his side. We waited until the market was full, and the broker took the necklace, offered it secretly and without my knowledge, got two thousand dinars for it. He returned to me, saying, Sir, we thought that the necklace was gold but it turned out to be fake, and I was offered a thousand dirhams for it. Will you accept the offer? I replied, Yes, I accept, for I know that it was brass. When the broker heard my reply, he realised that there was a problem with the necklace, and struck a bargain with the chief merchant, who went to the chief of the police, and told him that the necklace had been stolen from him, and that the thief had been apprehended dressed as a merchant. Suddenly, calamity fell upon me, for as I sat in the shop, the officers seized me unawares and took me to the chief of the police. When he asked me about the necklace, I told him what I had told the broker, and he laughed, thinking that I had stolen it, and before I knew it, I was stripped and beaten with rods, until smarting from the blows I lied, saying, Yes, I, I stole it. After they wrote down my confession, they cut off my hand, and when they seared it with boiling oil, 
I fainted and remained unconscious for half of that day. Then they gave me wine to drink, and my landlord carried me away and said to me, My son, being a nice young man of substance and means, why did you have to steal? When you steal from people, none will have mercy on you. Son, you stand convicted. Leave my house and find yourself another lodging. Go in peace. I felt disappointed and said to him, Sir, I wonder whether you can give me three days to find another place. He replied, Very well, and left me sad and worried and wondering. If I go back home with my hand cut off, how shall I face my people and convince them that I am innocent? And I wept bitterly. But morning overtook Shahrazad, and she lapsed into silence. Then Dinazad said, Sister, what a strange and entertaining story. Shahrazad replied, What is this compared with what I shall tell you tomorrow night, if I live? The 137th Night The following night, Shahrazad said, I heard, O happy king, that the Jewish physician told the king of China that the young man said, I was ill for two days, and on the third day I suddenly found my landlord and the chief merchant, who had bought the necklace from me and accused me of stealing it from him, standing at my door with five police officers standing on guard. I asked them, what is the matter? But they bound me at once, and put around my neck a collar attached to a chain, saying, The necklace that was with you belongs to the governor of Damascus, who told us that for three years it had been missing, together with his daughter. When I heard what they said, my heart sank within me, and I went with them with a cut-off hand, so I covered my face, saying to myself, I will tell the governor my true story. And if he wishes, let him kill me, and if he wishes, let him pardon me. They brought me to the governor, and made me stand before him, and when he looked at me he said, Unbind him. Is he the one who took my necklace to the market to sell? They replied, Yes, he is. He said, He did not steal it. Why did you cut off his hand unjustly? Poor fellow! When I heard this, I took heart and said to him, My lord, by God, I did not steal the necklace, but they slandered me, and this merchant, claiming that the necklace belonged to him, and accusing me of stealing it, took me to the chief of the police, and when the chief had me beaten with rods, I smarted from the blows and lied against myself. The governor said, Don't be afraid. Then he sentenced the chief merchant who had taken the necklace from me, saying to him, Pay him indemnity for his hand, or I will beat you until I flay your hide. And he cried out to the officers who dragged the merchant away while I remained with the governor. He said to me, My son, speak the truth, and tell me the story of the necklace and how you came by it. Don't lie, and be truthful, for the truth will make you free. I replied, By God, this has been my intention. 
Then I related to him in detail what had happened to me, and the young lady, and how she had brought with her the girl who owned the necklace, and had murdered her at night out of jealousy. When he heard my story, he shook his head, wrung his hands, and with tears in his eyes said, To God we belong, and to him we return. Then turning to me he said, My son, let me explain everything to you. It so happened that... But morning overtook Shahrazad, and she lapsed into silence. Then Dinarzad said to her sister, What a strange and entertaining story. Shahrazad replied, What is this compared with what I shall tell you tomorrow night, if the king spares me and lets me live? The 138th Night The following night, Shahrazad said, I heard, O happy king, that the Jewish physician told the king of China that the young man said, The governor said, The first young lady who came to you was my eldest daughter. I brought her up in strict seclusion, then married her to her cousin in Cairo. Then he died, and she came back to me, having learned bad habits there. She visited you three or four times, and at last brought you her sister, my middle daughter. They were sisters from the same mother, and they loved each other and could not bear to be without each other, even for a single hour. When the elder sister was having her affair with you, she revealed the secret to her sister, who desired to visit you with her. So she asked for your permission and brought her to you. But she got jealous of her, and murdered her, and returned home without letting me know anything. When we sat down to eat that day, and I looked for my daughter but could not find her, I inquired after her from her elder sister, and found her crying and grieving for her. She said to me, Father, at the time of the call to prayer, she suddenly put on her clothes and jewellery, including her necklace, wrapped herself in her cloak, and went out. I kept waiting for her day and night without telling anyone for fear of scandal, while her elder sister, who had murdered her, kept weeping for her, refusing to eat or drink, saying, I will never stop weeping for her until I die, until she worried us and made our lives miserable. Finally, when she could not bear it any longer, she killed herself and I continued to grieve more and more for her. This is what happened. If you look at what happens to the likes of you and me, you will agree that this life is all vanity, and that man is but a transient image, which vanishes as soon as it appears. Now, my son, I would like you not to disobey me. Today what had been foreordained for you came to pass and your hand was cut off unjustly. But now I would like you to accept my offer and marry my youngest daughter, for she is born of a different mother. I will provide you with the dowry and will give you clothes and money, settle an allowance on you and treat you like my son. What do you say? I replied, My lord, 
How could I hope for such a good fortune? Yes, I accept. Then he took me at once to his house, sent for the witnesses, and married me to his daughter. And I went into her. Moreover, he got me a large indemnity from the chief merchant, and continued to hold me in the highest esteem. When, at the beginning of this year, news reached me that my father had died, I told the governor, and he obtained from the king in Egypt an edict, and sent it with a courier, who went to Mosul, and brought me back all the money my father had left me, and now I am living in all prosperity. This, then, is the cause of hiding my right hand. Begging your pardon, doctor. His story amazed me, and I stayed with him until he went to the bath a second time and returned to his wife. He gave me a considerable sum of money, and, providing me for my journey, bade me good-bye and sent me on my way. I left him and journeyed eastward until I reached Baghdad. Then I travelled in Persia, and finally came to your city, where I have lived contentedly until my last night's adventure with the roguish hunchback. Isn't this story more amazing than that of the hunchback? But morning overtook Shahrazad, and she lapsed into silence. Then Dinazad said to her sister, what a strange and entertaining story. Shahrazad replied, What is this, compared with what I shall tell you tomorrow night, if the king spares me and lets me live? The 139th Night The following night, Shahrazad said, I heard that when the king of China heard the Jewish physician's story, he shook his head and said, No, by God it is not stranger or more amazing than the story of the hunchback, and I must kill all four of you. For all of you plotted to kill the roguish hunchback, and you have told stories that were not more amazing than his. But there is still you, Taylor, you who are the chief offender. Tell me a story that is more wonderful, more amazing, more diverting, and more entertaining than that of the hunchback, or I will kill you all. The tailor replied, Very well. The Tailor's Tale The Lame Young Man from Baghdad and the Barber O King of the Age, the most amazing thing that ever happened to me occurred yesterday before I met the roguish hunchback. I was invited to an early morning banquet, together with about twenty companions from the city. As soon as the sun rose and they set food before us, the host entered with a handsome stranger, a perfectly beautiful young man, except that he was lame. We stood in salute, in deference to the host, and the young man was about to sit down when, seeing among us a man who was a barber by profession, he refused to sit and started to leave. But the host stopped him and adjured him, asking, Why do you enter my house and leave at once? The young man replied, For God's sake, my lord, don't hinder me. The cause is that ill-omened, ill-behaved, bungling, shameful and pernicious old barber. When we and the host heard this description of the barber, we took a look at him, 
and began to feel an aversion for him. When we heard this description of the barber, we said, None of us will be able to eat and enjoy himself unless the young man tells us about the barber. The young man said, Oh, fellows, I had an adventure with this barber in my native city of Baghdad, and he was in fact the cause of my breaking my leg and becoming lame. I have sworn never to sit in the same place or live in the same city with him, and because of him I left Baghdad and settled in this city. Now, suddenly, I find him here with you. Not another night shall pass before I depart from here. We begged him to sit down and tell us what had happened between him and the barber in Baghdad, while the barber turned pale and bowed his head. The young man said, My father was one of the richest men of Baghdad and God had blessed him with no other child but myself. When I grew up and reached manhood, he died, and the Almighty God took him under his mercy. He left me great wealth, and I began to dress handsomely and to live the best of lives. It happened that God had made me a hater of women, and one day as I was walking along one of the streets of Baghdad, a group of women blocked my way and I fled from them into a blind alley. I had not sat long when a window opened, and there appeared, tending some flowers in the window, a young lady as radiant as the moon, and so beautiful that I have never seen one more beautiful. When she saw me she smiled, setting my heart on fire, and my hatred of women was changed to love. I continued sitting there, lost to the world till close to sundown, when the judge of the city, riding a she-mule, came by, dismounted, and entered the young lady's house, leading me to guess that he was her father. I went home in sorrow, and fell on my bed, consumed with passion. My relatives came in and wondered what was the matter with me, but I did not reply. I remained like this for several days until they began to lament over me. One day an old woman came in to see me, and looking at me guessed at once what was the matter with me. She sat down at my head, spoke gently to me, and said, Son, be cheerful. Tell me what ails you, and I will help you get what you desire. Her words soothed my heart, and we sat talking. But morning overtook Shahrazad, and she lapsed into silence. Then Dinazad said, Sister, what a strange and entertaining story. Shahrazad replied, What is this, compared with what I shall tell you tomorrow night, if the king spares me and lets me live? The 141st Night The following night, Shahrazad said, I heard, O king, that the tailor told the king of China that the young man said to the guests. The old woman gazed on me and recited the following verses. Know by her radiant brow and rosy cheeks, my eyes I turned not when she left the place. But like an eyeless man I rolled along, 
in my confusion stumbling in her trace. She was a nimble deer, well used to run, a cruel mistress with a heart of stone. She set my heart and soul on hellish fire, and I became a misfit, alien and alone, cheeks in the dust and eyes flowing with tears, mourning the old days and love I did crave. Helpless I grieve, but what avail the sighs? I am dead without her, though not in my grave, haunted by everlasting memories of her face that showed neither joy nor rage. Heart, break with grief, and let my soul expire, O heart of silver in a marble cage. Consumed with love, impatient with my fate, I watch my rivals pressing in their turn, unable to reproach them for their love. Oh, will the good old days ever return? How can my soul forbear or how forget her slender body and her lovely face, which like the shining sun dazzled the world as I held her in an ardent embrace, and in the dark tasted the night's delight, lying on green grass that felt like the down that graces tender, plump, and rosy cheeks, fondling her cheeks like silk of high renown, clutching them as a miser clutches gold, feeling their softness like silk stuffed with flowers, or with a tender heart throbbing unseen. Oh, let the watchman come! She had redeemed my hours. My love is constant. I have never changed. Unlike the others, never turned away, but always loved and will forever love. Keeping the pledge with honour is my way. I swore that if I died from grief I would not plead. A stoic lover does not need to sigh. And I am not a heedless lover, quick to blame or to betray, for none knows love as I. We lived in bliss and boundless happiness, until I thought our Eden safe from blight, thought we would stay secure and never part. Now all has died and vanished from my sight. Alas, for the days with that black idea, if they return and bring her back to me, I pledge eternal fasting all my days. For without her I will an outcast be, living love's victim to eternity. But morning overtook Shahrazad, and she lapsed into silence. Then Dinazad said, What an entertaining story! Shahrazad replied, what is that compared with what I shall tell you tomorrow night, if I live? The 142nd Night The following night, Shahrazad said, I heard, O happy king, that the tailor told the king of China that the young man said to the guests, then the old woman said to me, Son, tell me your story. When I told her, she said, Son, that young lady is the daughter of the judge of Baghdad, and she is kept in strict seclusion. The place where you saw her is her private room, which she occupies by herself alone, while her parents live in the great hall below. I often visit her, and I will undertake to help you, for you will not get to her but through me. Gird your loins. 
When I heard her words, I was encouraged, and began to eat and drink, to the satisfaction of my family. The old woman left and came back the following morning crestfallen, and said, Son, don't ask how I fared with the young lady when I mentioned you to her. The last thing she said about you was, Wretched woman, if you don't stop this talk, I will punish you as you deserve, and if you ever mention him again, I will tell my father. But by God, son, I must try her again, even if I suffer for it. When I heard what she said, I felt even worse than before, and kept repeating, Alas, how cruel is love! The old woman visited me every day, while my illness dragged on, until all the physicians and sages and my entire family began to despair of my recovery. One day the old woman came in, and sitting at my head, whispered to me out of the hearing of my family, "'You must give me a reward for good news.' When I heard her words, I sat up and said, "'The reward is yours.' She said, "'My lord, I went yesterday to the young lady, who welcomed me, and, seeing that I was broken-hearted and tearful, asked, "'Oh, aunt, what is the matter with you, and why are you unhappy?' I replied tearfully, "'My lady, I have just come from a sick young man, who has been lying, now conscious, now unconscious. His family has given up on him, and he will surely perish because of you.' She asked as she began to feel pity, "'What is he to you?' I replied, "'He is my son. He saw you some time ago at your window, watering your flowers, and when he looked at your face and lovely hand, his heart was captivated, and he fell madly in love with you. These were the verses he recited. "'By the rare treasure of your lovely face,' Don't kill your lover with your cruel disdain. His heart is intoxicated with love, his wasting body racked and torn with pain. By your supple curving and graceful frame, your mouth that puts the perfect pearls to shame, the piercing arrow from your arching brows that found my heart without missing the aim, your slender melting waist which is as frail as the sad lover who pines for you, by the enchanting star of ambergris, gracing your cheek, your victim mercy show, and by your curling side-locks have pity, be tender, and give him your love divine, for by the pearls between your coral lips, by your sweet mouth and its delicious wine, your belly folded in poetic lines, that lacerate my heart, O painful dream, and by your legs which brought me death and doom, only your love can your lover redeem. But, my lady, when he sent me to you last time, I fared badly at your hands. But morning overtook Shahrazad, and she lapsed into silence. Then Dinarzad said to her sister, What a strange and entertaining story! Shahrazad replied, What is this compared with what I shall tell you tomorrow night? if the king spares me and lets me live. The king said to himself, By God, I will not kill her until I hear the rest of the hunchback's story.
The 143rd Night The following night, Shahrazad said, I heard, O happy king, that the tailor told the king of China that the young man said to the guests. The old woman said, Oh, my lady, I fared badly at your hands, and when I went back to him and acquainted him with your reply, he got worse and remained bedridden until I thought that he would surely die and give him up for lost. The young lady turned pale and asked, Is this all because of me? I replied, Yes, by God, my lady, what is your command? She replied, Let him come here on Friday, before the noon prayer, and when he arrives I will come down, open the door, and take him upstairs to my room where he can visit with me for a while, and then leave before my father comes back. Oh, fellows, when I heard the old woman's words, my anguish ceased. Then she sat at my head and said, God willing, be ready on Friday. Then she received the reward I owed her, and departed, leaving me completely recovered, to the delight of my family. I kept waiting, and on Friday the old woman came in and inquired after my health, and I replied that I was hale and hearty. Then I rose, put on my clothes, and scented myself with perfumes and incense. The old woman asked me, Why don't you go to the bath and wash off the traces of your illness? I replied, I have no desire to go to the bath, and I have already washed myself with water but I do want a barber to shave my head. Then I turned to the servant and said to him, Get me a sensible and discreet barber, who will not give me a headache with his chatter. The servant went out and returned with this wretched old barber. When he entered, he greeted me and I returned his greeting. Then he said to me, My lord, I see that you are emaciated. I replied, I have been ill. He said, May God be kind to you and make you well. I said, May God hear your prayer. He said, My lord, be cheerful, for your recovery is at hand, adding, Oh, my lord, do you want me to shave your head or to let blood? I said, Shave my head at once and spare me from your raving, for I am still weak from my illness but morning overtook Shahrazad, and she lapsed into silence. Then Dinazad said to her sister, What a strange and entertaining story. Shahrazad replied, What is this, compared with what I shall tell you tomorrow night, if the king spares me and lets me live? The 144th Night The following night, Shahrazad said, I heard, O happy king, that the tailor told the king of China that the young man said to the guests, I said to the barber, I am still weak from my illness. Then he put his hand in his leather bag and took out an astrolabe with seven plates inlaid with silver and, going into the courtyard, held the instrument up to the sun's rays and looked for some time. Then he said to me, O oh my lord, 
Eight degrees and six minutes have elapsed of this day, which is Friday the 18th of Safar, in the 653rd year of Hijra, and the 7,320th year of the Alexander era, and the planet now in the ascendant, according to the mathematical calculations on the astrolabe, is Mars, which is in conjunction with Mercury, a conjunction that is favourable for cutting hair. I can also see that you intend to meet another person, and for that the time is inauspicious and ill-advised. I said to him, By God, fellow, you are pestering me and wearying me with your wretched auguries. I have not brought you here to read the stars, but to shave my head. Proceed at once to perform what I have brought you for, or get out and let me call for another barber to shave my head. He said, by God, my lord, even if you had cooked it in milk, it wouldn't have turned out better. You have asked for a barber, and God has sent you a barber who is also an astrologer and a physician. Versed in the arts of alchemy, astrology, grammar, lexicography, logic, scholastic disputation, rhetoric, arithmetic, algebra, and history, as well as the traditions of the prophet, according to Muslim and al-Bukhari. I have read many books and digested them. I have had experience of affairs and understood them, and I have studied all sciences and crafts and mastered them. In short, I have tried and mastered everything. It behooves you to give thanks to the Almighty God for what He has sent you, and to praise Him for what He has bestowed on you. Follow my advice today, and obey the stars. I offer it to you free of charge, for it is nothing considering my affection and esteem for you. Your father loved me because of my discretion. Therefore, my service is obligatory to you. When I heard his speech, I said to him, You will surely be the death of me today. But morning overtook Shahrazad, and she lapsed into silence. Then Dinazad said to her sister, what a strange and entertaining story. Shahrazad replied, What is this compared with what I shall tell you tomorrow night, if the king spares me and lets me live? The 145th Night The following night, Shahrazad said, I heard, O oh happy king, that the tailor told the king of China that the young man said to the guests. The barber added, Am I not the one whom, because of my taciturnity, people call the silent one? My eldest brother is called Al-Bakbuk, the Prater, the second Al-Hadar, the Babbler, the third Al-Bukaybik, the Gabbler, the fourth Al-Kuz Al-Aswani, the Stone Mug, the fifth, Al-Nashar, the braggart, the sixth, Shakai, the noisy, while I, because of my taciturnity, Al-Samit, the silent one. The barber kept talking until I got exasperated and angrily said to my servant, For the sake of the Almighty God, give him four dinars and let him go. I do not wish to have my head shaved today. When the barber heard my words and said to me, 
Oh, my lord, what kind of talk is this? I swear that I am under an obligation not to accept any money from you until I have served you, and indeed I must serve you, for it is my duty to help you and fulfil your need, and I don't care whether I get paid or not. If you, my lord, don't know my worth, I know yours, and know what you deserve because of the esteem I hold for your father. Then he recited the following verses. I came one day to my lord to let blood, but found out that the season was not good, and sat and talked of many prodigies, and my store of knowledge before him strewed. Pleased with my talk, he turned and said to me, You are beyond compare, O mine of law. I said, O Lord of men, you are the source, bestowing wisdom from your boundless store. O Lord of grace and all munificence, O treasure-house of knowledge, wit, and sense. He added, When I recited these same verses to your father, he was pleased and cried out to the servant, saying, Give him a hundred and three dinars and a robe of honour. And the servant did as he bade. Then I read the signs, and finding the moment auspicious, let blood. When that was done, I could not help asking him, By God, my lord, what made you bid the servant give me a hundred and three dinars? He replied, One dinar was for your astrological observation, another for your entertaining conversation, the third for the bloodletting, and the remaining hundred and the robe of honour for your praise of me. The barber went on and on until I got so angry that I burst out crying, May God show no mercy to my father for knowing the likes of you. But morning overtook Shahrazad, and she lapsed into silence. Then Dinazad said to her sister, What a strange and entertaining story. Shahrazad replied, What is this compared with what I shall tell you tomorrow night, if I am alive? The 146th Night The following night, Shahrazad said, I heard, O happy king, that the tailor told the king of China that the young man told the guests. I said to the barber, For God's sake, spare me your chatter, for I am going to be late. But he laughed and said, There is no God but God. Glory be to him who changes not. My lord, I must conclude that your illness has changed you from what you used to be, for I see that you have become foolish, while people usually become wiser as they grow older. I've heard the poet say, Comfort the poor with money if you can, and God's recompense will be yours by right. Want is a dire affliction, hard to cure, but money can improve a sorry sight. And if you meet your fellows, wish them peace, and show your parents their due reverence. How oft have they, sleepless, waited for you, praying to God to keep his vigilance? In any case, you are excused but I worry about you. You should know that your father and grandfather did nothing without consulting me, for it is said, 
he who takes counsel shall not be disappointed, and he who has no mentor will never be a mentor. And the poet says, before you proceed to do anything, consult a mature man ere venturing. Indeed, you will find none more experienced than I, and I am here, standing on my feet, ready to serve you. I am not annoyed with you. Why should you be annoyed with me? I said to him, By God, fellow, you have talked too much. All I want from you is to shave my head and be done with it. He said, I know that my lord is displeased with me, but I do not hold it against you. I said to him, My appointment is drawing near. For the sake of the Almighty God, fellow, shave my head and go. And I tore my clothes. When he saw me do this, he took the razor and, sharpening it, came up to me, shaved a few hairs, then held his hand back and said, My lord, haste is of the devil, for the poet says, Be careful and restrain your hasty wit. Be merciful to all, and they will mercy show. The hand of God is above every hand, and every tyrant shall another know. My lord, I don't think that you know my worth, or you are unaware of my knowledge, wisdom, and high merit. I replied, Stop meddling, for you have pestered me enough. He said, My lord, it seems to me that you are in a hurry. I replied, Yes, yes, yes. He said, Don't be in a hurry, for haste is of the devil and leads to regret. I am worried about you, and I would like you to let me know what it is you intend to do, for I fear that it might prove harmful to you. There are still three hours left to the end of prayer. Adding, However, I don't wish to be in doubt about this, but I must know for certain the exact time, for speech, when it is conjectural, is flawed, especially in one like me, whose merit is plain and known among men, and it does not befit me to base my statements on conjecture, as do the common sort of astrologers. Then he threw down the razor, went out, but morning overtook Shahrazad, and she lapsed into silence. Then Dinazad said to her sister, What a strange and entertaining story. Shahrazad replied, What is this compared with what I shall tell you tomorrow night, if the king spares me and lets me live? The 147th Night the following night, Shahrazad said, I heard, O happy king, that the tailor told the king of China that the young man said to the guests, The barber threw down the razor, went out with the astrolabe, and came back, counting on his fingers, and said, According to the learned and wise mathematicians and astrologers, there are exactly three hours left to the end of prayer, neither more nor less. I said to him, for God's sake, fellow, hold your tongue, for you have tormented me enough. 
So this cursed fellow took the razor, shaved a few hairs, and said, "'By God, I don't know the cause of your haste, and I am concerned about it. You would do better to tell me, for your father and grandfather, may God have mercy on them, did nothing without consulting me. When I realised that I was not going to get rid of him, I said to myself, Noon is approaching, and I wish to go to the young lady before the people return from the mosque. If I am delayed much longer, I will not be able to get to her. Then I said to him, Be quick, and stop jabbering, for I have to go to a party at the house of one of my friends. When he heard me speak of a party, he said, This day of yours is a blessed one for me. You have reminded me that yesterday I invited a group of friends, and I have forgotten to provide something for them to eat till now. What a disgrace in their eyes! I replied, Don't worry about it. I have told you that I am going to a party today. All the food and drink in my house shall be yours if you hurry and shave my head. He said, God bless you, but tell me what you are giving me, so that I may know and inform my guests. I replied, I have five different dishes, ten fried chickens and a roasted lamb. He said, Bring them out, so that I may see them. I bade one of my servants buy all that and bring it back quickly. The servant did as I bade him, and when the barber saw the food, he said, My lord, the food is here, but there is no wine. I said to him, I have two flagons of wine. He said, Have them brought out. I said to the servant, Bring them. And when he did, the barber said, Oh, what an excellent fellow, what a generous soul, and what a noble pedigree. We have the food and wine, but there remain the perfume and the incense. I brought him a box containing five dinars worth of aloe wood, ambergris, and musk, and as time was running out I said to him, For God's sake, take the whole box and finish shaving my head. But he replied, By God, I will not take it until I see the contents, one by one. I bade the servant open the box, and the barber threw down the astrolabe, sat down and began to turn over the contents before accepting them. Meanwhile, I waited, with most of my head still unshaven, until I choked with exasperation. Then, taking the razor, he came up to me and shaved a little hair, reciting the following verses. The growing boy follows his father's suit just as the tree grows firmly from its root. Then he added, By God, my lord, I don't know whether to thank you or thank your father, for my party owes itself entirely to your generosity. May God preserve it, and preserve you. None of my friends is worthy of it, yet they are all decent men, such as Zentut the bathkeeper, and Sali, the corn-dealer, and Salut, the bean-seller, and Akrasha, the grocer, and Said, the camel-driver, and Suwaid, the porter, and Hamid, the garbage-man, and Abu Makarish, the bath-attendant, oh, and Kasim, the watchman, and Karim, the groom.
There is not one among them who is disagreeable, contentious, meddlesome, or troublesome. Each has his own dance, which he dances, and his verses, which he sings. But their best quality is that they are like your servant and slave. They neither meddle nor talk too much. The bath-keeper sings enchantingly to the little drum and dances and says, I am going out, mother, to fill my jar. As for the corn-dealer... But morning overtook Shahrazad, and she lapsed into silence. Then Dinazad said to her sister, What a strange and entertaining story. Shahrazad replied, What is this compared with what I shall tell you tomorrow night, if the king spares me and lets me live?